Whether you're looking for a convenient refresher course, or a way to earn your Pragmatic certification at your own speed, or the chance to take a Pragmatic course from your specific corner of the world, then Foundations On Demand is the solution you need. Get the same great content, tools, and templates our Foundations course is famous for in a flexible and easy-to-use online learning platform. Learn the skills you need to build and market products people want to buy. And earn your Pragmatic Institute certification anywhere, anytime. No more travel worries, no more time zone issues, just truly great training. Experience the new way of training with Foundations On Demand from Pragmatic Institute. Visit pragmaticinstitute.com foundations to learn more. I have met before. It's really nice to see you. For those that are new here, wonderful to meet you. My name is Georgina Donahue. I am the Director of Community at Pragmatic Institute, and that means that I get to uh, help have conversations like this one um, between you and our really brilliant product practitioners that are in the space. If you are an alumni, we have a ton of different community resources for you that I encourage you to check out. You can go to pragmaticinstitute.com slash community to see more of those. Ready to pop into the next slide because I am just so excited about this conversation. Today, we are going to talk about using data insights to create value-driven content strategies, right? Because as you all know, one of the most essential pillars of your brand is your ability to create meaningful and really value-driven content. You gotta, you gotta capture the audience. You gotta build awareness. But sometimes it can feel a little bit like a shot in the dark, right? And we're all trying to figure out what the heck do I, what do these people want? Um, we all want to know where to look to understand the best areas to focus our efforts and to focus our resources. So today we are going to dig right into that. We're going to get into some incredibly tactical and actionable strategies for you. And I will tell you, I got a sneak peek of this session and I'm just, I'm so excited for all of you to learn from our, uh, from our guest today. So we are going to talk about ways that you can utilize data-driven insights in your content approaches. We'll talk about best practices for really housing that content and ways to take it further and so much more. So I'm going to lead us right into the conversation. We are here with Anjana Gopakumar, who is the editorial and metadata leader at Netflix. Uh, she's totally brilliant and an absolute delight. Uh, she's also got 15 years of content and strategic management experience. And her work has spanned uh, everything from media to television, print, music. She's a certified scrum master, and she's got this really beautiful track record for translating product vision into strategies that really deliver. And she's constantly looking for unique and creative creative ways to transform the consumption of digital entertainment and content. I am so excited for all of you to meet her. Um, so I will hand it right over. Anjana, take it away. Hi, everyone. 
Thank you so much for joining the session and thank you so much, Georgina, for those kind words. So a bit of introduction about myself and just as Georgina mentioned, uh, so I'm someone who has over 15 years of content strategy expertise. I've worked in a number of domains where content has been like the main, the key part of the establishment. So I've worked for traditional television, worked for a bunch of television networks um, over the years of my career. I've worked for news, so both print, like traditional and digital. And then moving on to the 2000s and 2010s, it has been really exciting to be part of like music and streaming experiences as well. As part of these domains, I've worked for content management, so strategizing and also managing content, and then the part of the operations behind that. And a big chunk of my life at this point has been also dedicated to metadata that we can potentially talk about through this presentation as well. I've worked for companies um, like Nielsen, where um, as part of like a company called Grace Note that is currently owned by Nielsen, I was there for five years working on multiple things like content management, like project management, program management, and content sort of like project delivery manager. And right now for the past three plus years, I've been with Netflix. I'm a product metadata manager at Netflix. So we are, you know, sort of the custodians uh, of the catalog where metadata is managed and how metadata is utilized for great content discovery experiences. So yeah, thank you. And let's jump or dive right in. So content, right? So this, this is the word that our world has been inundated with and content consumption. Consumption used to be a disease at some point, right? And then it was all about eating. Consumption was you eat food, you consume food. And now we use this term to talk about how much or how little our content intake is. So just, just generally talking about content, everything we see, think around us is definitely all about content. As you can see in the slide, there are so many businesses depicted here in so many different ways that this word has sort of like really infiltrated into our public and private lives. So interestingly, digitization has also transformed and sort of exponentially multiplied these avenues before us where we seek out content for information or entertainment or even like plainly for abating boredom. I'm also curious, and let's make this maybe a little interactive. So folks um, who are in this forum today, I'm curious to know, do you own a content forum? And if you do, what might that be? You can thread it in the chat and potentially later Georgina can share that with me. Before we dive into the content strategy, um, you know, it's, I think it's actually worth understanding what, what do we mean when we say content? So content is that single word that is loaded with so many different connotations, right? And so many different meanings that depends really on the context. So yet a single concise definition is so elusive. So for most of us, we simply say that we know content when we see it. If I really ask you for a definition, what really is content? Like it spans so many different things that it might be so hard to like really laser focus or like razor zoom in to understand what content is. So we, we would say that, oh, content is the TikTok blog, the TikTok um, videos that we see, or even the memes that you watch. Or in the morning, just asking Alexa or Echo about the weather, that's also content, like the back end of all that is content. So this is why it might be the best to think about content alongside so many different lines, right? So what is content really? It is information. Um, it is factual, practical, entertaining, or just, just plain information or some combination of all these. Content is also about context, right? Like what 
is the content supposed to help you and the, and the person on the other side accomplish? So who is the target audience for this content and why is this really being published? The next part of this is all about form. Like what is the content really? Like is it text? Is it graphics? Is it audio? Is it video? Is it interactive? Is it virtual? And then, you know, like we have all these, the augmented reality and the futuristic versions of, want, of what content could be. So these are some of these different lines or that we can potentially think about content. And so content and the, all these definitions of content, I feel like it focuses too much on the information and not on the rest of the elements. So information without context is sometimes just noise and information that isn't presented with that form or the medium in mind risks being lost on the recipient. So for instance, you could, you could actually like, let's think about like how we've all been for Amazon or Ikea or any other business, like buying probably like furniture and there's always the manual that comes with it. And how many times have we been like really frustrated when the manual is not clear, right? Like if you are writing out the steps of building something, if not including the images, then that would be such a weird experience. So these are some of the ways that you tie into your daily life when you're thinking about content and really thinking about like the context and the form and the information. And a lot of times it is such winning content when all of this comes together. And this is, this is I think like a great example of these manuals sometimes when you're really frustrated when one is missing or the other portions are missing. And even when you think about the form, like think about like a Twitter or any other forum like that, which is for again, like social chatter and you wouldn't publish like a paper on Twitter, like or a huge topic, a dense, deep topic really on Twitter. I know there are some people who do, but ideally that might not be the forum that would get to you to use the content in the most successful and significant manner. So it has to make sense in the context or, and the target audience that you wanna reach. So really jumping into content strategy, content has become like so important, so important um, and a part of our daily lives that in most organizations, right, there is definitely a huge team that is in place to oversee their content strategy. And if it is executed well, you know that it can become one of those most critical marketing components that can determine success and brand love. And just think of all those you know, loved brands that have become so loved just because of those marketing campaigns, just because of those social uh, media platforms and that outreach. There are so many. And that I think like really ties in with that. How, how does content really make someone or an establishment successful? So content strategy is the content creation and the deployment plan really to achieve your business goals. So it outlines your decision-making process behind who your or whom your material will really impact and how does it cut through all of the noise and what you're hoping to achieve in smaller measurable metrics. So that is what really will define content success. And we can talk through this, it, it's coming. We are talking through this in much detail um, in the latest slides. So the difference between marketing strategy and content strategy, that is something that we need to also like dive deep into or delve into. So content strategy really, I believe is 
a two-pronged approach that is the marketing strategy and also the creation strategy so content strategy generally is uh, it's considered a more advanced business activity than a marketing strategy so what a marketing strategy can really do is outlining those marketing steps you'll take towards your ultimate goals like think about like growth and increasing revenue, but the content strategy really focuses on defining uh, which content is created to support this marketing strategy or vice versa, right? Like you cannot have a successful winning combination without one or the other. And also thinking about how are you really going to promote this? So it's that ongoing process of translating your business objectives and goals into a plan that uses content as a primary means of achieving those goals. So this is what I was mentioning. It's an approach for creating content. It is definitely driving those key goals, the business objectives. And the most important of all is centered around the stories you want to tell. So there is so much noise, um, like what we've been discussing on the internet, right? There's so much that you see. Like most of this content don't even bubble up to the top. Again, depends on you know the SERPs and the search engine optimization and all that. But really, I think that most successful, that striking part is centered around the stories that you want to tell. What is the story that you want to tell and how do you own that story? I think that is that winning combo, really. So in also thinking about the defining that content part of the strategy, you need to think about these key aspects really. So what is your goal and who is your audience? What types of content are you going to publish? How is your content supporting that story that I was just telling you, your own interesting story? How is that going to support you? And the ways in which your content will be different, there is so much out there, like how are you going to stand out? And how often would you produce new content? And then like outlining all of those, uh, we need to also think about the metrics that would then define the success of your story. So your goal. So great content is definitely created for a specific purpose, right? And this purpose needs to be clearly defined. So you need to ask yourself if you're creating content and what is really that purpose? Like, is it to boost your brand? Is it about brand awareness? Is it to generate leads, to convert users, attract customers? There, there are so many different ways that you can set your goal and define that against what is the real purpose of creating this content. And once you've clearly defined your goals, that is when I think you can determine what is that content strategy and how is that the actual best way to achieve the strategy. So the next, we need to talk definitely about the audience. So how are you analyzing your target audience and that engagement? So the content strategy will definitely be only as effective as the audience that is part on the taking part on the other side. So you also need to know who potentially could that target audience be. So the valuable information can be gleaned by checking which types of sites are your prospects already visiting, which content are they engaging with. And this is the sort of the homework, I think, that everyone, if you're a part of the content creation, uh, that vehicle that you need to do your research and you need to do a bit of that homework about what might be the potential crowd that might be interested in this content. So you can, again, like basically understand a lot of this by enabling, there are so many different tools 
schools. I don't know, Georgina, is this the moment where I um, hand this off to you just to talk about the tool section? Because at this point, I don't want to talk about, you know, the gazillion tools that are available in the market for all this. But generally, I'm going to say that Google pretty much has a lot of these tools that are available for any of these items that we are going to jump into. I can probably take the example of Google because there are so many things at the back end that it has uh, that it can generate. But I'll toss this over to Georgina for that quick plug on about your tools community as well. Sure. Yeah, there are so many different tools. So, uh, you know, we really want to focus on the content today rather than tools and tech and app reviews. But I encourage everyone to chat about that in the chat box. And then for for those of you that are members of Pragmatics alumni community, um, we do have a group that is extensive and solely dedicated to really exchanging thoughts on the best tools, apps and tech for product folks. So I will drop the link to that in the chat for you to take a look at. And then for the rest of this conversation, um, we'll just we'll use Google as kind of a um, overarching example for some of the stuff you're going to talk through. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. And also, let's talk about focusing on your niche for the content strategy, right? Like the different content types. What are you really going to publish? So uh, like I was, I think this is something that I would keep harping about. There is so much, when you think about content, there is so much of content that sometimes shouldn't even ex exist, right? So a lot of this content is also like copy pasted from other sources. And you will, if you're like trying to research about a certain thing, you'll find that like, honestly, a lot of this is blind copies of something that someone has reposted, or it might not even pro provide real value. So, and again, like I was saying, like, because of the search engine results page and the SERPs, like, people don't even see 99% of what is under that murky, you know, underbelly of this content. Think of the iceberg. So to avoid having your content getting lost in that, in that crazy pack, like create content that really stands out, that is unique. It has a distinct voice. And most importantly, I think like offers genuine value to the folks on the other side. So that is where I always think is focus on your niche. What, you know, what are you most comfortable with? What are the, the greater your chances of establishing yourself as an authority in your field is when you're being authentic, uh, when you're being generous, and when folks are looking for information or entertainment, when you are their ultimate authority or you have a lot of value to offer, that is where I would say that you need to pivot your content strategy with. Let's talk about storytelling. And this is the part that gets me really interested in. So creating informational content is easy, right? Like anyone can create that. You can rattle off, you know, from a dozen blog posts or features and benefits and all that. But creating content that really emotionally engages visitors, that requires something more than just communicating information. So audience engagement impacts everything from social reach to the search rank and even like, you know, your brand perception. And the lines keep continuing to blur between social and commercial in our lives. So connecting on a deeper level with the folks that come to engage with your content is becoming a greater priority. And storytelling, again, is one of the best ways to connect to your audience. And I'm, I'm, I call this the story, the stories ambassadorship, right? Like stories have that power to instantly turn a casual person who is clicking or searching into someone who can be a devoted evangelist of your of your content. So one idea that I always think is about talk talk about history. How did you get to this 
the spark? Like, how do you, how did you get to this point? This, this is another way to be really engaging. And how were your origins? Like, what, what was so remarkable about your journey? And to talk about hurdles is something else that, you know, hurdles and obstacles, everyone loves a survivor story. Everyone loves an underdog story. To talk about some of those struggles but, and giving someone something to relate. It doesn't really have to be struggle. It's something that happened in your life or around you that someone on the other side can, can really relate to. And that is another way of great storytelling too. And how that, you know, again, ultimately, how that represents your com companies or your content's values, really your brand's values. Let's now talk about, and I love this, uh, the picture, uh, this image that I have here. So this is again, how do you use, and here it's it's almost like that black sheep, but this is also about like, how does your content stand out? How do you create content that stand out? And this is so clear looking at this image, right? Like you have so much going on and you know, it is, it is about like, how do you create that content that is clearly, you can call it the bang for the buck if you're thinking about a way to monetize this. Like how does how how do folks look at your content and say that oh this is different this is engaging this is compelling I want to look through this I want to read this than the bazillion other things out there defining content strategy again how often would you produce new content and I think like unfortunately there is no article about content creation tips then that can give you a definite answer how often do you need to create content. So every business needs to do their own research to find out what works. But I think the, the answer is remarkably around consistency and consistency being that key and consistency mattering more than like frequency and then about the quality and that matters more than the quantity, right? So that that is again, like that prime marketing tip that this is more consistency is really important. So posting three or three, four times a week consistently is better than posting like 10 or like all the time, like 15 times. Sometimes on social media, you're like, oh my God, that person is posting like every second, every minute, and I don't want to see their content. So it's not going overboard is definitely something that you need to think about, but also how do you be consistent? But if you're not inactive, your audience will also find or go elsewhere uh, to fulfill their needs. Consistency is also one of the ways that you can differentiate from the rest of the competitors or things out there. And again, how do you you know, establish your authority as thought leaders in the industry with, with the content out there. And also to think, how does the content have that direct relationship and how credible people think that you are, that also really ties into the consistency. So I think like coming to the end of, you know, like just defining that content strategy and some of those key facets you can think about, I think metrics, and we would, we will definitely jump into a whole lot of the metrics conversation next. So metrics that really define success, you need to think about that in terms of the qualitative and definitely quantitative data. So thinking about some of the quantitative data, and this is also like part of that homework, part of the research, you can think about the overall views, you can think about the unique views, um, you can take the referrals, like scroll depth, like click-through rates, the UI, UX type, social engagement, and all that would become the quantitative data. And when you think about real qualitative feedback, you need to think about that brand and that awareness, uh, the intent why someone is coming back to your service, the impact, the relevance, and all these that is providing that is hard to quantify, hard to have a metric around it, but you, you know that this is real and this is out there. So this these are, I believe, some of the data that you can really research, do your homework and, and find out about. 
now just to talk about now that you know you've you've thought about all these things you probably have a good content strategy in place but how do you good is not enough right for today how do you turn that good into a great success and how do you create this winning content strategy so it's all about i think we can boil this down to it's all about the brand focus the user experience you think about the platform and you think about how do you generate content and i know there are so many other facets to think about um a winning content strategy but ultimately i think i would like to focus on these four and when you think about like brand focus it's about brand awareness the reputation and measuring the brand awareness quotient is an effective measure of the performance of how your your content is doing so putting out content that is interesting relevant there is a value addition for your audience is definitely going to boost that brand image and that awareness around your content is definitely going to grow so if the audience or the circle around your audience begin to recognize your brand and then definitely perceive that as an authority in that industry or the domain that you're in and then you can be sure that your um the success around that strategy or the path to that successful strategy is definitely working and this would definitely help your content um and the brand increase think of like business referrals leads sales all that it ultimately everything ties to the to the brand awareness and that reputation just talk a little bit about the user experience and we're really talking about the ease of that customer journey or the you know the ease of the ui ux experience for someone on the other side how easy is the content being perceived and engaged by uh, from the audience side so the content is an enabler of that customer's journey um, it helps it helps them really make that decision right and also like if you potentially want to convert that lead so the ease of that journey or the ui or the ux you should really understand if that is performing well or weigh and really weigh that against one of those choice of definitely like of that platform right and just jumping back into or getting back into the next point of the platform strategy i think both of that ties there is a definite connection between the platform that you're part of and the ui ux the effectiveness of that so what is really the platform strategy so if the content strategy is how you uh, plan and manage your content the platform strategy is basically like your distribution plan it is what you would refer to um, when you're thinking about the platforms you've chosen and you're currently you know being holistic about and how do you maximize um, that winning strategy when you're thinking of the platform so in content data management there is that uh, pgd framework that you definitely use when you're thinking about platform strategy so that helps really with determining what platform do you want to be on so it stands for like paid owned granted leased or earned media there are so many types of media where um ultimately like are you going to pay someone um is this going to be leased for an x amount of time or are you going to create you know your own website like where will you be communicating the intent behind your content is that a paid platform where potentially you might have ads and that is another way to monetize and or how do you think about creating your own website to house all this content 
or are you thinking about like just social media posts to organically boost your status as a content creator? So, so many things to think about gently when you think about platform. And then the last point about content generation strategy. Uh, this is this is also like you, we can really get into the weeds into and but also I would love for us to stick to like high level. So that high quality content, like we talked about, that was a part we talked about, like how does it stand out? What's the value add? What is your brand and all that? That really is the lifeblood of every successful um, content strategy. So if you're running, if it is social media, if you're building something, you need real content creation strategy to grab eyeballs, right? And you need to publish high quality content to attract and retain the target audience. So, but I know it is easier said than done, which is why you really need a robust creation strategy. I think the only way to really get at it is to create um, a tenacious, content planning calendar or a strategy calendar so that can like really maintain consistency in creation and distribution ensures that every content asset really garners as much traction really streamlining your content uh, strategy efforts to ensure that ultimately you're really focusing on your end goals and not randomly created creating content everything really needs to be tied to that identifying topics themes that will resonate with the member base um, selecting the right distribution channels and some of those real tactics you can think about is um, a lot of people use online surveys. Um, you can leverage audience polls. You can monitor those blog comments. You can um, really focus on social listening, like hashtags. And then like we've, we've been discussing, there are so many analytical tools there is, that you can use to understand what's happening on the back end and how do you really um, make sure that you can turn this into a winning strategy. And then around the whole keyword research and all that, right? Like there are so many, you know, SEM, applications that you can use there is the google like the keyword planner uh the google trends there's a google search console there are so many ways that you can really create a robust uh, winning strategy using some of the technology and leveraging some of that today and now i think i would love to dive into that marketing strategy and how do you connect that using those data insights that i just mentioned now like i was mentioning all those um you know google the, those, those tools that we were mentioning, um, or generally, like I was saying, there are so many things that today's technology uh, can help you leverage. So how do you use all those data into creating a really strategic plan for content marketing? So let's talk about the traffic. Let's talk about the time spent, your SEO efforts, social conversation, and also about like con uh, the, the commerce part behind it. So site traffic, this is you know pretty easy to understand. Uh, the traffic to your website is definitely a primary indicator of how your content is performing. So loads and heaps of traffic is definitely a good a good news, as long as uh, the bounce rate is not really dramatic. And you know, uh, I'm sure everyone knows what a bounce rate is—the percentage of visitors who who are moving away after viewing just a, a few threads or a few lines or a portion of the page. So uh, getting those popular tools and measuring your site traffic, Google Analytics, and a, a plethora of other analytic tools is definitely important when you think about the content marketing strategy. Let's talk about the time spent, right? It isn't a complete um, circle if the visitors are just dropping by and then abandoning it. And also thinking about one-time one, one visitors, right? Like why are they here and why did they drop off? Um, so you can really measure the time that someone spends on your site or where your content is at. And that is an indicator that the content has failed to impress visitors and they're not spending time of it. You, I think another 
um, area that you could look into is that the pages are loading. Oftentimes, I know this happens to everyone. If something takes so long to load, you're just like, I really don't have the time or the patience. So you just, you know, like go off. And that is time to look into the platform or the web hosting options. Let's talk about um, SEO efforts. And this is, again, something you can like really, really, really dive into. There is, again, so much of um, 2022, so much of SEO has been optimized, has been made better. But this is really that return on the SEO efforts that you are making. So SEO is, again, uh, search engine optimization, the, pra the pra practice of using the qualitative content principles and technical improvements to generally make sure that your online traffic is improved and that ranking in the search engine result pages, those are improving as well. So many things again to talk about, I briefly mentioned some of those. So the keyword targeting, right? Keywords or phrases, those are commonly searched on Google and other search engines. They're a crucial part of determining your website's rankings. So investing in content optimization really helps your site start showing up organically in those search um, engine result pages. Metadata, this is this is what you know I've been working uh, for the longest time with. Metadata is really like data about data. So you're thinking about, um, today, the example that you can use is in, in the industry that I'm in, how does metadata help you in discovery, right? Like you, you have a blank canvas and let's talk about music streaming or video streaming. How, how, how am I incentivizing? How am I building interest in that, um, in a piece of content? And how, how do I create metadata that can open a world of discovery and help you really discover what you like and what you want and what your interests lie in? So metadata is really like that shop window. Your meta title and that meta description are the first things a user see. Um, and also you can think about like Google has a lot of like crawlers that that scrapes uh, websites to collect information uh, so that it can then at the back end add it to those search queries. So having robust metadata can also make these um, having like these cool keywords or keywords that are impactful that can really make uh, get Google to understand that relevance of your page. Um, backlinks again, uh, you know, moving to the that is super technical. Another factor uh, is a, the acquisition of backlinks when an influencer or another website uh, links you or your content link in an article. So this really helps gaining that domain authority and be like connecting it back to the brand and what your brand is. It really improves the chances of people clicking through to your website. Social conversation. This is pretty easy to understand. Like people sharing, the more you know, there is there is more engagement if people share link to your content on the media if they're finding it valuable it again enhances your reputation drives traffic and also like brings in leads and since most people are now on social media channels it's good to track your content's social media engagement really and that is a way to measure and monitor the content marketing performance so make sure that you're maintaining that buzz around your brand around around your relevance really um, commerce and conversion is if you're looking to monetize um, the content part of it, it is really important and that might be that ultimate factor, like how, how are the conversion rates, um, how are the conversion of the qualified you know, leads happening, so how do you measure those signups from, it could be your email list, um, it could be your free trials, how are you really monitoring that percentage of users who are really 
you know, filling out some of those contact forms. So in, in conclusion, I would say that the impact of the content on your marketing strategies will eventually show up. And that is a true determinant of how well your audience um, is going to weigh your business. So it's never too late to implement these content measurement or these marketing techniques to know what works well for your brand and understanding some of those metrics that we talked about. And how do you put these techniques into motion, which means you'll be able to like measure and analyze something um, and just about anything, right? Like today we do have the technologies to measure just about anything um, in that pursuit of a good marketing plan. Yeah, and I think it is about time we talked about uh, metrics and KPIs and how can you really define and measure content uh, marketing performance um, and understanding those difference between metrics and KPIs and business goals? So metrics, um, like we have metrics for everything and metrics uh, measure the impact and the success and overall health of a business's that digital presence or your contents, like how well your content is doing. But the KPIs are again, like you zoom in, it's a little more laser focus type of metrics that gauge the progress towards a specific business goal. And using these overall metrics and these KPIs associated, how are you turning that information you have around your content into actionable insights, right? And having that data at your fingertips, it won't do any good if you don't understand what these stats are telling you to do. Uh, so some of those best proven best practices for analyzing these is to understand that relationship. So just, just looking at what a metric, what a potential metric might be, might be to increase organic traffic on um, your page or your website or where you're hosting this content. And that person, the KPI might be that percentage of organic traffic that is month on month. And then this all this is tied to your ultimate goal of increasing traffic. Um, and think about brand awareness. This is again something that is that cannot really be quantified, but there is also another metric that we can use when you think about the new users. So you're trying to build brand awareness. You definitely need to understand our new users coming and engaging with the content on my platform. So think about the KPI as the number of new users from probably like a specific source. Um, so these are some of the ways attaching yourself with KPIs and metrics that would lead you to your ultimate goal, whatever that is. Let's get into a little bit um, of A-B testing and personalization. This is also something I work at an organization where, um, you know, A-B testing is really like the core of that, that data behind that science. Um, so we, we really love to A-B test on product, trying to understand um, what, you know, what might be the test and the control groups and testing those small variations to find out what is the content or what is the variation that maximizes interest and that reaches as the most potential to reach your audience. And it also talks about personalization. When you find that X content or Y content um, works for certain cohorts, then why don't we maximize on it? And especially, I think like you can think about email marketing, where if you understand that something works for a certain uh, cohort of uh, the section, then you should personalize that and send that particular um, variation to one group and another variation to another group. So how A-B testing is really done is, you know, like when you're separating audience into two groups, you have a test and you have 
a control and each group gets a variation of the content. Then you compare the responses, you track and analyze your results. And then you're choosing that winning variation or you work with both variations, like I was saying, like with two different cohorts. And then you're really testing it also, um, you know, for progress and understand if you can improve your results further, you're further testing. So you can take a-B test any component of your social media content, uh, but some of those common elements to test might be like trying different lengths, trying different number of like number of characters, um, a different style, like a quote, a question versus a statement, emojis that, you know, that can be like fun A-B tests, uh, punctuation, tone of voice, casual versus formal, passive versus active, and so on. Yeah, so I think I would love to sum up at this point in you know talking about the overall content strategy being content marketing strategy and you know the the way that you can really think about content and strategizing behind the creation of the content as this strategic plan that um, involves the positioning of the content. It needs to have this value proposition, and ultimately, how are you going to tie this into the business goals? And I'm going to leave you with uh, something that I found on the web, which is like great content strategy and great marketing content marketing strategy. You'll always find that they are a mix. They are a great mix. And at the center, you can find that content marketing strategy. So but without these both two sections, the content marketing strategy cannot happen. Um, they are not exclusive of each other. So for, for you to have a winning strategy, you need to think about these as separate pieces and how it all um, can, like, comes together in a content marketing strategy. That was my spiel for today. Um, thank you all. And I'll move this and toss this over to Georgina. That was awesome. Uh, thank you so much. We already have a number of questions that people are itching to ask you. So if there are other questions that you have for Anjana, now is the time to drop them into the Q&A box. So while you add your questions there, I will share a little bit about the next conversation that we're going to have. Um, you can join us for our next product chat discussion on July 28th at 1 p.m. Uh, Eastern, as always. Um, we are going to welcome Leon Sticker, who's the Senior Technical Product Manager at Amazon Web Services, uh, and he is going to lead us in a conversation about how to use um, really proven methodologies and innovation for your distinctive competencies. So I will drop the link for that for all of you. Um, and we will also email that uh, link to you as well. I see that some people are having uh, trouble uh, grabbing links out of the chat. So again, drop your questions in the Q&A box uh, and we are going to start going through these. So one question that I thought was a really tricky one that probably a lot of people uh, can relate to that we can start with is how do you best really differentiate your content when you are not the market leader and your competitors are able to really consistently put out a lot of quality content, right? Like what do you do in the face of, um, in the face of that challenge? Yeah, and I think uh, I I love that image, and that is what like you know I kept alluding to that image. That was such a perfect image, right? Like it is also that you know you talk about publicity too, and I'd like to tie it to that. Like even negative publicity is publicity, and this is something that you always hear about. So even the example of that black sheep, right? Like how do you really want to make an impact, and it ultimately ties to your values. What do you really want to create? 
And what is that um, value proposition behind that? Like, how do you find that unique value in this? And ultimately, you know, there are so many brands that have told stories and become successful, right? Like um, there is that power of that storytelling experience that I was alluding to. There is a lot that you can learn from your competitors. Um, but I think one great way might be that when someone is there, how do you invoke an emotional response to your content, whether it is talking about that black sheep, whether it is that you are become the, becoming that black sheep by putting out content that might be hard for someone to accept or something that is like totally relevant or hard to process, like that story of that underdog that was that I was talking about. Oftentimes that I've understood when there's a real emotional connection, a real response, that is the content that gets people to stay through. We, have, we talk about cliffhangers all the time in content, like in, in for the video experience, right? But let's talk about cliffhangers in content. What might be some of those cliffhangers where even if there's an ad break, you come back, you grab soda, you grab popcorn, it forces you to come back. So think about what might be those, um, you know, Dan Brown uh, does that in his books often. Like I always feel like every chapter of his book is a cliffhanger. And you need not think about this in terms of like this thrilling adventure. There are so many things where you can add value with that storytelling, learn also, look into your competition. Like what are they doing? And it's it's totally fine to mimic this at times if you think that is an engaging and compelling strategy, but ultimately just being true and authentic, like taking examples that you knew you know about and not like general examples, things that you've observed, things that you've defined, you've understood, and turn those into, I would say, those compelling definitions of little cliffhangers where people are like forced to like come back or people are forced to like stay on the page and not like gravitate away. And I think that's, you know, that all comes back to storytelling. That's what a really compelling and engaging um, kind of path that you want to follow um, is all about. So yeah. I think- and, and I, I also mentioned this um, about how there are some brands that that has have become so famous only because of their marketing campaigns, right? Some of the brands that are peddling like, you know, everyday products, how do some of them become so successful? That is only because of that power of storytelling mm -hmm. and putting that con constantly, that content out. Sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's interesting. So it's that emotional response and that love that ultimately ties you to one brand versus you know, the same chip company that produces chips. It's, it's all the same. But why do you gravitate towards one? It's usually the power of, you know, ads or that, what, what is an ad really? It's a story that an ad is telling you. So yeah, I would, I would attribute it to that amazing storytelling prowess if you have that. Yeah. And there's another question here that I think is uh, connected or your answer might be connected, right? And so someone's talking about how, you know, their content is really their, their driving means of delivering value to their customers. And so they want to know, how do you determine the value of the content, one content piece versus another content piece or one content channel versus another channel? And what do you do with those insights, right? Is there a place for kind of high performing, high value content? Content compared to maybe a lower value content? Is there still a place for that? Um, curious about your thoughts there. Yeah. And I feel like this is something in my current work that we always think about too. Like when you are um, a content service, right? Where your product really is the content. We, we think of, um, or, you know, a lot of times I've come across this 
buffet version of content. So who are you putting out this content for? Is it for, you know, your Michelin star audience, like the five star who are like really picky and juicy about content? Um, or is it, is it for like anyone, you know, anyone out in the world of the interwebs and the pages that can access your content? So I think that strategy ultimately ties to who is your audience, know your audience, use all these analytical tools behind to understand who they really are, where do they come from, what do they engage with otherwise. So if you know what they're engaging with otherwise, then you'll know, do we need to put out a buffet, which is like catered, like all premium, you know, like a certain, like when you think about even monetization, is there a certain X amount of price difference for that versus that the regular content we, you know, always talk, talk about tiering in terms of like content too. How do you tier your content with those expectations? Um, so that I believe ties to that audience, ties really into that analytics behind trying to understand what they want. And ultimately, if also to that A-B testing part that I was mentioning, right? Like once you A-B test and understand that there are five different cohorts of people, maybe we can also personalize this to all these different cohorts, like depending on what that engagement plan behind the content is, like I was mentioning like email marketing, Maybe to that premium cohort, it's a different type of email that you're sending. And yeah. to folks who, you know, they're just, just perusing, they're just out there. It's a different way um, of writing or creating that content that might get them to activate or be engaged. Um, so, yeah, I always think about this buffet model and the tiers in between. Yeah. And it's such an interesting metaphor to use. I really like it a lot because I think it also really depends on the context that you're in. So if you're thinking, if you're thinking about watching a movie, I, I don't always want to watch an award-winning movie. Sometimes I want to watch Grey's Anatomy. And yeah. I know that it's, I, you know, I know that it's different um, than, you know, something that's been premiered at a film festival. Same yeah. thing for a Michelin meal versus sometimes a hamburger in the backyard, like is really what you want. And so the definition of high value content often changes based on the context and the, the mood or the needs of the audience. Yes, exactly. And what, yeah, that, that comfort state that you're in, we, we always call this the need state. It, okay. it completely changes for the need states of the audience. So at a certain given amount, uh, a certain uh, given time in your life, you might not be opting for the premium version of things, right? Like it, there are so many things in your life that goes on that really changes um, and differentiates between these things. Gotcha, really interesting. Um, there's another question here about um, kind of analyzing content in a way that creates more content, right? So um, the assumption is that, you know, some stories are often uncovered through the process of analyzing the content that, you know, you're looking at that's already out there. So in your experience, is there a percentage of new stories that you find after digging into the existing content? I definitely wouldn't be able to attribute um, a percentage of new stories that you find, but this is this is a great um, idea, right? And I think I think it's probably like maybe the field that I'm in, the company, the organization I'm working for, the things that are coming to my mind. It's the jargon from the video, the content, um, the streaming world. Let's talk about spin-offs, right? Like spin-offs are again a great idea or a great way to think about one 
a certain set of winning content then revealing more underneath it right like when you when you have a spin off of riverdale or when you have another you know spin off of something else that's coming up um you really want to think about how you know how do you think about that in terms of that that content you're really putting it putting out whatever that type of content might be um so the one thing that would be interesting to look at and i saw that in the comment about someone wanted to know more about what a backlink is i always think about these backlinks when you really know someone is engaging someone really wants a bit more about this content um uh, if you if you follow you know like the stories from uh, new york like people have humans of new york or humans of this x city the, all those stories that come in here when they have like a part one to part whatever you see that engagement like spikes and then once the story is done then it's it's interesting to have these backlinks being shared and and a backlink is again when an influencer or when anyone engages with your story and then reshares that story and uses your link so that again it it's it's like you know that multi marketing chain it goes to like 500 other people and every one of those 500 shares that and that is the real way that you can really think about how effective that engagement is so to go going back to the original question of is there a certain x amount of percentage no i cannot really attribute a percentage to that but i would say that definitely these backlinks is part of that winning content thinking about spin offs um if this is a winning content if you have seen a lot of engagement how do you add more to it but in a way that you don't go overboard and i've seen some people with the strategy where they'll work on these sort of like think about this as spin offs or side stories side angles to the story and then they leave it they do not post for a while and let's say 6 months later they come back and then people are like so thirsty for having missed some some of this out when they're like back at it oh we want we want more of this so those that time interval can also be a really good tool in determining um how are you creating that traction how are you creating that engagement um and we see that in a you know a lot of times where um instead of binging you're separating this into different parts over an x amount of time that can also like increase that peak curiosity and interest in the content yeah awesome okay i've got a number of questions but i think we only have time for one more so i'm going to ask you one about ab testing because i know that you're really interested in this and i am personally interested too so i'm going to use a um i'm going to use the power to talk about ab testing so um when you are doing ab testing is it meant to be a random breakdown of the audience to understand the content performance or would you suggest that the goal is to break down the audience into those different buffet groups like you said right who might yeah. have different preferences and kind of cater to those with with different approaches yeah so right now um, i believe the question is asking only about ab testing the audience because you can ab test on anything right right yeah. like you any facet you think about you can really like ab test those parts so when you think about um the audience part too it again then ties to your ultimate goal like why do you need to ab test this if you are ab testing this part talking about those different cohorts is it ultimately to find what are they engaging with is that the ultimate goal or is it something else so you can you you know you can really do your homework to understand what might be something that you need to really engage with ab test um and then what is that goal that really drives it so um about the quality and about um the types of the audience engagement like i was saying there are so many different ways to look at it and um 
that that question, it really needs to tie to that specific goal. And then you can A-B test anything based on the goal. I think that's a great place um, for us to, to wrap up on. Um, and I've got uh, a bunch of ideas that you shared today. Uh, like, I, like I shared with everybody, I get to think a lot about building communities. And I think that content is a huge component of that. So I'm excited to use some of these lessons in my work. Uh, Anjana, this has been so awesome. I really have loved to learn from you. Um, thank you everyone very much for joining us. Uh, it was a delight to get to chat with you all today. Uh, I will see you at our next one. Uh, and I really encourage you uh, to reach out to Anjana and follow along with all of her work. Um, so thank you very much for your time and your thoughts. Thank you so much, everyone. This has been such a pleasure. I'm sorry I haven't had, you know, while I was presenting, couldn't see all the chats, but thank you so much. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, you know, reach out, let's connect, all that. Thank you. Thank you, Georgina. Thank you, Kelly. Bye, guys. See you next time. Bye.